Being an expert on general automotive knowledge, what would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a full barrel carburetor? It is a trick question. Watch this. The Chevy didn't make a 327 in 55. The 327 didn't come out till 62. And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing will be four degrees before top dead center. Get ready for another hour of drive radio brought to you by Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. Got a question for the experts? Then give them a call, 303-477-5600. Now it's time to pop the hood and get our hands dirty. Drive radio on KLZ 560 The Source. All right, we are back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. And, uh, again, appreciate all of you joining us today. Learned a lot already today. Ray, we have an answer. A couple of people uh, texted, and we had a phone call. And Charlie remembered it as well. Track Grabber. Track Grabber. And it's T-R-A-C. Don't put the K on it, but, again, if you Google it, you'll find it. And, well, well you know, and, and that's Scott Watley, Sportsman of Colorado. Uh, I'll get with Scott and see if we can't maybe get them on and do an interview here on Drive Radio, especially as we get a little closer to wintertime. So we'll see what we can't do to make that happen as well. So, yeah, appreciate that very much. And then, of course, uh, Bill, uh, if you're listening, we had an answer back on getting your tractor potentially fixed as well. 303-477-5600. That's our phone number. If you guys have any questions at all, give us a call. Myself, Steve from Geno's with us as well. And question of the day. What is your favorite aftermarket accessory? One of you texted in a moment ago and said aftermarket heads up display. Yep. Which they do make. Really? Yeah, they're actually pretty cool. They actually give you more info even than the factory heads up displays will. So that's a good one, by the way. Thank you. And then somebody else said there are devices out there now where you can, and I didn't know this. This is one I'll have to learn more about. You can eliminate the auto start-stop feature on your vehicle completely where you're not pushing the button every time. Really? There's a company out there that, that disables that, I guess. I'll have to investigate. That one I didn't know anything about. I'll have to. I'll have to. Uh, there's a lot of folks that personally no, I get used to it. Yeah, you get used to it. I get used to it, but... I do know there's a lot of folks out there that just don't like that at all, and I guess there's now a fix for that, which I was not aware of. I like the heads-up display thing. My wife's really, really liked that in another car, so she wanted to buy a new one with the heads-up. Somebody but, also said, this goes along with Joe's a moment ago, I have four tornado inserts in my intake track, and I get 40% better gas mileage. <laughs> yeah, sure you do. He's laughing, by the way. He get a laugh emojis and... Yeah, none of those devices, folks. Um, we could almost do an entire hour show on the gimmicks mm-hmm. that are out there when it comes to improved fuel economy. So let me just take a minute, because in all seriousness, anytime fuel prices and the economy gets a little tough, those things crop up. And I had somebody the other day tell me that it actually worked. They had one of the little devices you put in the ALDL connector, and they swore they got better mileage. And I said, well... Unfortunately, no, you're not. I said, you may think that you are, and you may have started driving a little differently after putting that device in, but no, that device that plugs in the ALDL connector is not helping your engine fuel economy at all zilch. There's even been studies done where people have cut those apart and determined it's a circuit board with a light that lights up. That's (laughs) all it is. 
There is nothing fancy going on there as far as reprogramming your existing computer. It's a 100% gimmick, period. They're doing nothing to help you in regards to your your fuel economy. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they are they are lying. I, I really don't know any other way to say it. They're lying. They're, they're just, no, there is no such thing there. Engine, they have engineers in, in Detroit that are working on this fuel economy issue. And if they could put a little device on, don't you think they would have done it by now? They have to meet the CAFE standards that are, they're prescribed, that are mandated to them by the government that they have to reach. If, if there they, was if a way they, for they, them they, to put a little device on. <laughs> they would have done it. They would do so. To Steve's point, they would have been doing that all day long to improve fuel economy. So if there was something as simple as plugging it onto the ALDL connector or they could have programmed that device's software into their existing software, the fuel management software of the vehicle, trust me, they would have already done so. To Steve's point, there is nothing that you are going to bolt on a vehicle that will improve its fuel economy in any substantial way. Now, are there things you can do with exhaust modifications and intake modifications and things along those lines? Yes. Some of those devices may or may not help your fuel economy. Typically, they're more performance-oriented than they are fuel economy-oriented, although if you drive them correctly, in a lot of cases, you can gain some fuel economy by adding some of those accessories on. And some of you would say, well, then why, you know, going back to Steve's point, why doesn't the manufacturer just put those on to begin with? Well, on some of the performance cars, they do actually. In some cases, they'll put a more free-flowing exhaust and they'll put a cold air intake and a lot of that will come from the factory that way. But on the regular standard run-of-the-mill production car, they don't because it's more costly. (laughs) And if you, over the lifespan of that particular vehicle, build a million units of a particular vehicle, which in some cases over time they may, and you add even just $5 to the cost of each car, and you're you know not able to pass that on to the customer because the market won't bear that, well, think of what 5 10 15 20 $50 over a million times does. Those are big numbers. That's why they don't do, they don't do some of those things right off the bat. The other reason why... I always used to get this question a lot when I was doing, you know, all the aftermarket stuff I did for all those years in my stores, in my shops. The other thing, keep this in mind. The manufacturer is building the car for a huge swath of customers. Everyone from the, I'm not exaggerating, 90-year-old person that needs to go to and from the grocery store all the way down to the 16-year-old that's just getting his license. They're building that car for all of that segment, Literally, one end to the other. They're building that car to be a reliable, safe vehicle for that entire segment. And when you do modifications to a vehicle, you're narrowing now that market and marketability, if you would, of that particular vehicle farther and farther down, depending upon what modifications you do. So keep in mind that they are building vehicles for the masses, not for you. Now... What the manufacturers have also learned is because of the aftermarket, they have learned that, oh, we can build specialized vehicles. TRX truck in the Ram side, Ford Raptor, ZR2 on the Colorados, the new Ford Ranger off-road unit, the Raptor Ranger, I should say, the Bronco Raptor. I mean, okay, I can go down the list of the 
items or the the vehicles that they have now made that are pretty customized for a segment of the market. And what the manufacturers know is, well, wait a minute. These guys are going out and spending tens of thousands of dollars once they buy it from us. Why aren't we capturing that on the front side? So we will. We'll make a Hellcat. We'll make a TRX. We'll make a V8 Jeep. We'll make a Ford Raptor and and Ranger Raptor and, and, and. Sure. Okay. The, the, the trail boss on the, on the Chevy side and on and on we go. Okay. They'll make these things knowing that, okay, yes, there is a population out there that will buy these vehicles. We're not going to make millions of them, but we'll make a higher profit margin on the few that we do build for that particular segment of the market that will buy them. But keep in mind, even in those vehicles, they're not making those for the masses either. They're making it for a segment of the masses, knowing that we've got this many potential buyers out there that will buy this vehicle. And by the way, we're going to keep our numbers of production on those down, thereby keeping the dollars up and even the resale dollars up by not producing as many of them on the front side. Supply and, and demand. You know, the Shelby end of things and so on and so forth. Yes, yeah, supply and demand, Steve, exactly. So that's how the manufacturers, you know, they're not, to Steve's point, they're not dumb. <laughs> they pay these guys and gals a boatload of money on the engineering and marketing side, determining what can we make the most money on, and that's what we're going to do. So I've got something else I wanted to talk about along those lines, and that is there is a tweet that went out today by an individual talking about the new Tesla Cybertruck and how many of those they will build and how much of a segment that's going to be for Tesla and so on and so forth. Now, they claim that's going to be a $60 billion truck you know, venture for Tesla. They're figuring 500,000 units sold at sixty grand a piece, and I think those numbers are way off. Number one, I think the sixty k is way low. Yeah. They ain't going to sell for sixty. It's going to be hundred grand if it's a nickel. And they're not going to sell 500,000 units. Not in the first couple of years, they're not. It's going to take them years to get to the 500,000. Thousand mark. I mean, there there's guys out there speculating that the Cybertruck will end up competing with the big three on their truck sales. And folks, no, it's it's not going to happen. I'm sorry, I, I don't know who these people are that are writing these articles or sending these tweets out, but they don't know the market like they think they do. Because no, they're not going to sell that many. Will they sell some? Yes, there are some hardcore EV Tesla followers that will buy the Cybertruck. It'll look different than anything else on the on the market, and some will buy them. I frankly think it's the ugliest truck made to mankind. That's just me talking, and I would not own an ugly truck like that. But again, that's me. Some will own it because it's the cool factor and so on and so forth. But I don't think that that market is as large as what some of these folks out there claim it is. And my predictions are they don't sell 500,000 units in the first couple of years. It will take them years. I did look up, as an example, this will, this will probably stun a lot of you because you see a lot of these trucks in Colorado because we're a big market for this particular truck. So I'll just ask Steve this. How many of the new Toyota Tundras, because they redid the truck, it's now got the hybrid engine, and they've done a lot of things, and the truck looks really good, and it's got a lot of things on it that it didn't have in years past. How many Tundras do you think they've already sold in 2023? Oh, I have no idea. They've pre-sold a ton, I bet. Give me a, give me just throw a number out to oh, me. 500,000? 60,000. 60,000. That's all they've sold in 2023. 
Really? So the misconception, especially we in Colorado have, is because you see a lot of them around our Colorado area here. I see. We all think they've sold a lot more tundras nationwide than they have. But they sold a lot here in Colorado. They sold a lot in Colorado, but right. nationwide they've sold, in, in the U.S., they've sold 60, just a shy under for the, I just looked up the numbers through last month, they've only sold in 2023 60,000 units. Hmm. Not as many as you think. Point being, if Toyota and a new Tundra and all of its technology and so on can't sell more than 60,000 in a six-month time frame, so they may get to 120 by the end of the year, what makes you think they're going to sell half a million Cybertrucks? The cool factor is not that cool <laughs> to be able to sell 500,000 units. So that was my point with looking up the sales figures on Tundra today because that's a great example of, I think, people in Colorado thinking there's a lot more of them being sold. I really thought that number, like mm-hmm. Steve, was going to be much higher. I, fu- I figured it'd be 150, Something like that, yeah. maybe even 200. Hmm. Now, halfway through the year, I, I didn't think it'd be 150, but I thought we'd be at 100 roughly maybe. Uh, we're not even close to that halfway through the year, and that's been a very popular truck for Toyota with the re- redesign and everything of it. So food for thought. Question of the day, what's your favorite aftermarket car or truck accessory? Of course, any other questions you've got for us, lines are open, 303-477-5600. Text line 307-200-8222. We'll be right back. This is Drive Radio KLZ 560. Geno's Auto Service is celebrating 40 years in business with an air conditioning recharge special. Refrigerant in your air conditioning systems needs to be able to absorb heat to cool your vehicle's interior. But refrigerant gets contaminants evaporates, and breaks down over time. We use a cooling machine that takes out the refrigerant and cleans it. Then we put the clean refrigerant back, topping off with Freon at the right level. Stay cool this summer by making sure your system is up to date and ready for this year's summer heat. Geno's is a Colorado family-owned business and proud to serve families in Littleton for 40 years. We back up our work with Napa's nationwide 36-month, 36,000 miles peace of mind warranty. We invite you to check out all our Google reviews. Give us a call or go online to schedule an appointment. To make your life simpler, Geno's offers loaner vehicles so you can drop your car off and pick up when ready. We're AAA approved and located at Bowles and Platte Canyon. Stop in or visit us online at genosautoservice.com. Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. A BG Performance Oil Change comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage. And something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. Because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making. BG. Do you know what to do in a traffic stop? Kevin Flesh would like to give you a few tips to help keep you and your passengers safe. If you are being pulled over for a traffic violation, slow down and put on your hazards, find a well-lit location that is out of the lane of traffic, keep your hands on the wheel where the officer can see them, and be polite. If you feel it's necessary, record the traffic stop, and then if you need any legal help, call Kevin Flesh at Flesh Law Firm. Kevin is our legal eagle and is an expert in traffic altercations and accidents, so put this number into your phone. 303-806-8886. You can also find Kevin online at fleshlawfirm.com. Kevin Flesh, Flesh Law Firm, and proud sponsor of Drive Radio.
Napa know-how. A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses? Well, look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. All right, we are back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Myself, Steve Horvath. And uh, Gino's Auto Service, by the way. Charlie Grimes and Larry Unger answering phones. Lines open, 303-477-5600. Warren is joining us now. Warren, what's up, man? How you doing, brother? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Just getting ready to go coyote hunting. Are you? Good job. <laughs> Last year, they uh, offered bounty in uh, Wyoming, and uh, they caused a lot of harm. Yes. They do. But uh, anybody that's coming to Wyoming, stay off I-25 and go to 285. Oh. Okay. That is a really good road. And then probably 10 years, I've probably seen three high, highway patrol on that car, on that uh, highway. Hmm. Much, much easier. Oh, so is that east or west of 25? No, that's east. East, okay, east of 25. But it is really a good highway. I've, I've never driven that one. That's a new one on me, Warren. You're teaching me. I didn't know about that one. <laughs> that's cause you Where does that bring you into Cheyenne at? Uh, that will bring you right into the middle of Cheyenne. I've got to get my map out and check this out. Where do you pick it up at from down here? Oh, you can pick it up from anywhere, but Greeley is a good place. Oh, you're right. I see it. Okay, yeah, you're right. And uh, a couple weeks ago, John, just curious, I sent you some pics on the well truck. Yes. And what were your initial thoughts on that? Nice truck. I think the biggest the biggest thing holding it back, and, I, and I'm sure this is what you're finding, is just even though the truck is super super clean, it's the age of the truck. Yeah, that's that's what's holding it back from selling. Other than that, you fabulous know, truck. Nothing wrong with it at all. It's the age of the truck. 
<laughs> the equipment on it is is you know I even checked with my with my boy that you know the equipment on it is fabulous. I I think the biggest thing holding it back is the age. Yeah. And well, if it were I, a diesel, probably the age wouldn't even affect it. But with it being a gas engine, that's that those two things I think are affecting it more than anything. No, that's all right. I'm just uh, curious. I'm all I'm all, and, I'm wondering if you wouldn't be better off separating all the equipment off and then just selling the truck with a flatbed. If you wouldn't be money ahead doing that, Warren. You know, I've thought about that, but I I lean against that. Uh, simply because it just takes the money equation out of it. Yeah. No. I, it, it. It. And it's a longer process, as you know. Yeah. Doing it that but, way. That's uh, the no, downside. I'm just curious. And. Uh, but you know. But show. really quick, I say all that to say this: once he gets down here, I may have him still come up and look at that, and he's coming next month. Well, that's which fine. isn't far away. A couple of weeks is all now. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> Just take it easy, buddy. You're doing a good job. I'll do it. I'll do it. Warren, thank you, man. Appreciate you very much. And somebody asked, which of our shops sells tires at cost? I believe Extreme is still doing that up in um, up in uh, Parker. Parker. Although, Bruce, you're in Broomfield. I think Legacy and Boulder will do the same thing. So if you call Josh up at Legacy, he's got the same deal on tires that Extreme does. So we've kind of got it at both ends of the city. So if you want, call Legacy up in Boulder. And I believe they're doing uh, the same thing as well. And how many GM units have been sold since January? GM sold almost 200,000 from January to April. Yeah, in other words, almost, well, literally triple, over triple of what Toyota sold. And that's just GM. That doesn't count what Ram did and what ford did on f-150 so if you combine those three even against what toyota did it's substantially different and then you look at that into into what tesla's thinking of doing on the Cybertruck. and again not not against the Cybertruck at all it's not what i'm saying not my favorite truck as far as how it looks it's just to me too futuristic and weird looking for me i mean i guess there'll be all sorts of features and things that it comes with that may make it cool i don't see them selling that truck for sixty thousand dollars personally i mean i think the reason for that and how i can back that up is most of these trucks even that i just got numbers on weren't sold at sixty thousand trucks or at sixty thousand dollars either yeah you can't you can't touch a truck for sure it's hard to yeah you, you can buy a work basic, truck and some basic. basics for that but if you've got any kind of equipment on it at all it's not even sixty thousand dollars i don't know where the 60k figure on the Cybertruck is coming from. I didn't go to Tesla's website to see what they're even advertising it for, but some writer said sixty thousand. I don't see them. I don't see them doing sixty thousand dollars on that truck. Now maybe that's maybe that's their profit in it. I I don't know where the guy was getting the sixty k from. I I didn't see the breakdown to know where the sixty k figure was coming from. I doubt there's that much profit in it, but I don't know. I mean, the average you know EV is is losing 20,000 per unit. So how can you sell, you know, it means it, there's just, the math doesn't work. No, I, again, I don't, I, I just, I don't see that working out again. Uh, questions 303-477-5600. Uh, and in text line is open as well. 307-200-8222-307-200-8222. 
800-222-8222. And I've had several folks texting in as well, reiterating the whole Wyoming thing and people driving up Cheyenne Frontier Days and so on. And what everybody's texting is they patrol, state patrol, don't like out-of-state plates. So the minute you're coming up from a exterior state, especially Colorado, because we have weed here and they don't have it legal there, it's one of the first things they look at. I know the same is true for Texas, Kansas, and so on. That's one of the first things in Nebraska. That's one of the first things they look at when they see a Colorado plate is, is this somebody that potentially would be a weed person? I, I know that for a fact. So that's the first thing they look at. Point being, if you're from Colorado, Colorado plates, and you're traveling up there, you better mind your business. You better not be doing anything, you know, no funny business, no speeding, no nothing. You better be watching what you're doing because otherwise you're automatically a target rolling through there with Colorado plates to begin with. So just fair warning. I, I opened up the you know last hour with that, and everybody that's texting in from Wyoming is saying the exact same thing. So if you're going to go up there, mind your P's and Q's, and any friends that you may have, same thing. You need to tell them the exact same uh, the exact same thing because you could end up you know in, in a kind of a world of hurt there when it's all said and done so just be really careful when you do that all right give us a call we got lines open 303-477-5600 i got a few topics to cover here in a moment with steve if nobody calls so hang tight we'll be right back drive radio klz 560 hello drive radio listeners this is chris hammond with kens and leslie distributing your local bg products distributor back again this week with your bg tech tip This week, we're going to get a little controversial. Because, you see, if you're anything like me, when you learn to drive, you learn that when you see a merge or lane ending sign, you should move over as quickly as possible. And all those other knuckleheads flying past you, well, they needed to pay better attention. It turns out that most drivers change lanes too early when they see a merge sign, thus causing a speed differential and a traffic backup. What traffic engineers and experts actually recommend is staying in your lane as long as possible before merging and merging at what they call the zipper point. Thanks a lot, Dad. Studies show that by just merging at the zipper point, traffic delays and backups can be reduced by as much as 40 to 50%. I know, I know, that feels like cutting to the front of the line, but the truth is it's just the right way to merge. Thanks again, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with BG. We'll talk to you again next week. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. You are responsible for making sure that you are properly insured. But you're not alone. While Paul Lewinberger believes in personal accountability, he wants to make sure he's setting you up for success as your home and auto insurance agent. Paul will teach you about how you can save money on your premium 
while being fully covered in case of a loss. Your insurance should be for emergencies, not petty cosmetic issues. Insurance is not a coupon, your bank account, or for maintenance. Paul Lewinberger will tell you that your insurance is for emergencies. And when you work with Paul, you'll be rewarded for your diligence. Ask him about their incentivizing rebate program. Take a higher deductible and take responsibility. It's just one of the ways they can afford to keep their rates low. Take control of your life. Take responsibility for your insurance coverage. Call Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance now at 303-662-0789. That's 303-662-0789. All right, we are back. Myself, Steve Horvath, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. And I know Dale's calling in. So, Dale, I know Larry hasn't answered yet, but I can see your name. Go ahead, sir. Oh, I was just... Just didn't catch a uh, phone number for the tractor repair. Okay, hold tight here. I got to go back to my text messages, and it's down away. So give me one second here, Dale. Seven one nine three one three six one zero two. And what was the name of it again? It's Joe Sokol Tractors. S o c a l. S o k o l. Sokol. S o k o l. Okay. I appreciate it very much. You're very welcome, Dale. No, thanks. And by the way, whoever texted me that, thank you for that as well. That should help Dale out immensely. So we have a we have a great listening audience, by the way, and you guys all work together as a team. So thank you for that very much. I do appreciate it. Kevin is next. Go ahead, Kevin. Hi, John. Uh, this question is about uh, more more related to Ready Radio, but I haven't been able to call in. You're fine. It's all right. It all works. Uh, and it reminded me of all the talk about Wyoming. I, I knew a guy up in Wyoming years ago, and he had a uh, he powered his big barn with a car engine hooked up to a generator, and uh, it was you know like a homemade generator mm-hmm. sure. on a large scale. Sure. And I wanted to get your opinion on that, uh, if that makes any sense these days. Actually, it does. I mean, you look at a lot of the industrial pumps that are out there that run a lot of pivots and irrigation things and so on across the country uh, even jasper engines by the way they make a lot of of engines that are industrial use just to run generators pumps things along those lines honestly kevin if you can piece something together like that cheap enough yeah nothing wrong with that at all at nothing zero zilch it would work fine what i haven't been able to find and i thought you might have run across it is I don't know how to uh, where to find uh, a, a generator unit. That would be generate. the issue. Yeah, getting them coupled even it, it honestly isn't even a, a big issue. There's all oh. sorts of companies yeah. that make you know uh, you know bell housing Adapters. and couplers and so on that would go on the back of the engine where you could still put your flywheel or flex plate or whatever. So the balance of the engine is good because you'd have to run something either a flex plate or a or a uh, a flywheel of some sort on it. And then typically the couplers mm-hmm. are all done with. Yeah, there's all sorts of ways of doing it. They use all sorts of different couplers, you know, drive shafts, things like that, that would actually run the generator. That's usually not the issue. The, you, I think you just hit it. The biggest issue is where do you find the generator that you're going to use to, you know, have a you know small block Chevy or something like that run? Yeah. But okay. if you had, I'm going to think through this a little bit. If you had the generator and you encased this whole thing and hardened it, 
and you could find the, uh, the right old Chevy engine that even just ran off of points, uh, reality, Kevin, is you'd have a pretty reliable generation source in doing that. You, know, you put it on a little steel frame and, and right. you know, have that thing even, you know, where you could take an old tractor with some forks and maneuver it around and do whatever you needed to. Yeah, I think you'd have pretty much whatever you needed right there. Yeah. That's what this gentleman did. Uh, uh, make toy, that's how I would do it. I'd put it on some sort of a pallet, you know, fork system, and where you could move it around and hook into what you know. If it got to the point where we didn't have power for a length of time, you could just manually hook it up, and away you go. Yeah, yeah. I I think that would work fine, Kevin. I'd see no issues with that at all. Yeah. The biggest thing well, is where to find uh, a generator. I, that part, I I have not researched. You know where you find. An actual generator itself. I'm sure somebody sells them. I mean, they make components for all the big generation units that are out there. I would think you could just, you know, you'd have to size it accordingly, but I think you could buy a generator pretty easily. And you could get a pretty big one. I mean, if a if you could get a four-cylinder or a you know, V6 or even a small-block Chevy to run it, you could pretty much put whatever generator unit behind it you'd want. I mean, minus the big, big ones that are running, you know, off big diesel cat engines and so on. But any, any medium-sized generator like that would work fine i would think mm-hmm. yeah. well, ideally okay, here's a here's a thought ideally if you could find you know somebody that maybe had a kind of a household unit and they're looking to get rid of it or maybe somebody you know didn't do the maintenance necessary they ran one out of oil mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be that'd be the one to try to find cheap is what i like yeah exactly yeah because <laughs> at that point somebody's looking to just toss one because the engine yeah. replacement wouldn't be you go buy another unit for what it would take to fix the old one. Yeah, and sometimes you can find units that come out of larger motorhomes. Correct. That are running on uh, you know like two cylinder engines. Correct. But uh, it might be uh, if one of those was not working, but the generator unit was good. Then you could so, somebody just texted to cheap. Kevin and said, "Call Generator Source in Brighton. They may have an answer for you as well." Hmm. Oh. Well, thanks. That's now, and, and they also did, they also said right. this, and I know this is true as well. Some of the bigger auctions, you know, Roller, Ritchie Brothers, and so on, they'll sell some right. just you know standalone generator units that contractors and such are selling as well. And if you could buy that for the right price, they're not bad. That that's mm-hmm. not a half bad idea. They'd, they'd be fully assembled, ready to go. You just go pick it up and tune it up yep. and go through it and use it. What, what about switching the generator or the motor over to natural gas? Uh, you could do that as well. Would be so, if yeah. you had a carbureted engine. That's an easy switchover. Yeah, I mean, I remember they used to do it back right. in the day, yeah. but not anymore. But. That's not a bad way of doing it either, Steve. Good idea. Yeah, that would work yeah. well too. Now, on an yeah, end of the world scenario, like on Ready Radio, Kevin, you'd probably want to figure something out on the fuel because you're going to probably want to do more propane and have enough propane stash because natural gas will run out because mm-hmm. there's no way to pump right. it once the electricity goes out. The valve right. and you know, already, the, 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 the infrastructure will shut down, even though people think, well, natural gas will last. Now, once the pipe's empty, it won't. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. It's always good to have options. I, I hung on to an IMCO unit for propane that was on a V8 engine. So uh, for that reason, it's, it's still working. I used to run an engine on mm-hmm. propane in the mm-hmm. garage. Uh, I think that uh, I've forgotten about... Uh, the roller auction. Yeah, the, the, the auctions are not a bad. I mean, again, a yeah. lot of guys that were, I don't know, you know, you know how it is, Kevin. People shut down businesses and start businesses, and they deplete equipment. They mm-hmm. sell old equipment off, and all sorts of stuff happens. And rather than dealing with that themselves, they just take stuff to auction and do it that way. 
Yeah, yeah, or the business goes bankrupt and the stuff goes to auction. Right, to, right. Yeah, not again, not dollar. a bad way of not not a bad way to do it. Some of those, you know, some of those, depending upon the contractor, may have bought it for a particular job and it may not even have many hours on it. That's the other thing that happens. Guys yep. will buy stuff for particular jobs, and once the job's over, they sell the equipment off. Mm-hmm. They don't need it anymore. Yeah. So that, that that's not yeah. a bad idea. Mm-hmm. If you could find one pretty much preassembled, ready to go, that's not a bad way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. But your idea is your, your spot on, one, Kevin. You know, it would work. Uh-huh. Yeah, one of the things I liked about maybe using a small automotive engine, water-cooled, is it doesn't make a lot of noise. Nope. And if you're running some of these other generators, you know, I know for motorhomes, they're kind of the, loud. And the two point. cycles are pretty loud. Great point. Stuff, yeah. No, you take yeah, even a you know you take even even a V8 small block Chevy with mufflers and such on it, just idling, running a generator, you'd hardly hear yep. it run. True. Yep. Literally, yeah, you could set you that thing it. there, and it would you would hardly yeah. you know from from a hundred feet away, you'd never hear it. Because that you know, really quick, just end of the world. Again, this is more ready radio stuff, but end of the world type scenario, Kevin. You kind of want to keep some of that stuff under wrap and not have anybody hear you running it. That's that's my thought. Be a little bit discreet. put that thing in a little steel building and kind of insulate it where mm-hmm. you know nobody even knows it's running. You know, duct it accordingly to where your exhaust goes out and the intake comes in, and you could put that in a little building and nobody even know it's running. Put it in a tough shed, sure. nobody'd know the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those were my thoughts exactly. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a really good way of looking at it. I don't think that's the big big diesel generators or even the ones you're talking about that run RVs and such. Yeah, those are loud. You're going to hear those running. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd want to be more stealthy than that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, again, yeah. we're talking more to your point, ready radio stuff. But we've talked about it here on Drive Radio before. That's kind of where we started doing ready radio from was dovetailing into what we've done here in the past. So no, you're you're fine talking about it here. It's not a problem. Yeah. Okay. Good cool. thoughts. Maybe no, that's stuff to think about. No, good, good stuff, Kevin. Thanks again for you the, the uh, generator source. You're very welcome. Appreciate it very much. And, and then thank you, whoever that was that texted that in. Yeah, thank you for that very much as well because that's a that's a good source for that. And some of you guys that are thinking about doing some of that stuff, yeah, that that's not a bad idea. Hey, somebody else texted in too on the EV side, the Hummer EV, which again they touted and had tons and tons of pre-sales. I've only ever seen one on the road. It had to be a press vehicle because. To my knowledge, and I think this texture is right, they've only sold two of those this year. They cannot produce enough of those to even make it worthwhile for GM to do that yeah, whole Hummer same. EV thing anyways. They've only sold two, and I've only ever seen one on the road, and it had to have been a press vehicle because there's just not been that many of those sold. And the few that I have seen sold around the country They've got their own stories that go with them as to how long they take to recharge and so on. But I think this texture is 100% correct. GM cannot find enough components to get those things off the assembly line like they should be. They're, right now, they're not making any money on that deal at all. They're, they're, they've lost money at this point. They've, if that's all they sold, they're not making enough on that to mess with it. So, again, I, I don't see Tesla on that level uh, you know, selling that many as to what some of these people are talking about somebody else uh, texted and said Richie Brothers has trailer mounted Kohler units that are well maintained used out in the oil fields yeah that, yeah yeah thank you yeah a lot of those will come in from from those places as well um, and yeah they they would be a nice you know quiet unit as well uh, somebody just sent a picture of a fifty 
kilowatt natural gas with a Vortec V6, less than 60 decibels, quieter than a liquid cooled. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, the idea being nice and stealthy, I think, in that particular scenario. And for those of you that haven't listened to Ready Radio, tune in on Fridays from 2 to 3 and listen to us talk about a lot of these different things of, you know, if, if something you know major were to happen, uh, you know, how does that work out for everybody? So, yeah, feel free to listen to us. Then I would, I would by the way, appreciate that very much. 303-477-5600. Lines coming in right now. We'll take a quick timeout right now, a little early, but we'll take some time out now and get some calls going. We'll be right back. Myself and Steve Horvath, Geno's Auto Service. This is Drive Radio, KLZ 560. No one likes to be that person. You know the one stuck on the side of the road, busted tire, making everyone slow down to get around them. With Legacy Automotive's new tire sales, you don't have to be that person ever. Here in our Colorado climate, you might be closer to needing new tires than you think. A bad set of tires can be dangerous and even life-threatening. Tires should be regularly examined for cracks, bulges and blisters, and other signs of wear and tear on your vehicle. The skilled team at Legacy Automotive in Boulder will be able to examine your current set of tires, let you know what they recommend based on what they find, and help you get on the road. Legacy Automotive is a Napa Gold certified auto care shop and employs ASC certified technicians. So don't be that guy and make an appointment at Legacy Automotive today at 303-396-0555 or visit them online at LegacyAutomotive.com. Legacy Automotive, locally grown auto repair. Most oil changes are the same. Old oil out, new filter, new oil in. It's a routine, a chore on the to-do list. What if your oil change wasn't the same as the rest? What if it was life-changing? BG. A BG oil change can change your life because it comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system, which means a lifetime of peace of mind for you. Find a shop near you at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. BG. Hunting down that hard-to-find part for an out-of-the-ordinary car can be quite a time-consuming chore. Unless, of course, you just go around the corner to your local Napa Auto Parts store, where we have over 310,000 parts, all of them made to fit and perform just like the original. Yeah, there are people who say it's the journey and not the destination, but those people have never tried to find an alternator for an 82 Fiat on a Saturday. Go to NapaOnline.com for the location nearest you. Napa, get the good stuff. Have you ever thought about owning a classic car, hot rod, older truck, or an out-of-the-norm vehicle? Worldwide Vintage Autos is the place to go for all your vintage car and truck needs. With over 80,000 square feet of indoor showroom and warehouse space, they make the shopping experience easy. Every vehicle they sell is checked out by their own staff and is verified as a roadworthy vehicle, and this includes consignment vehicles. When you buy a vehicle from Worldwide, it's a vehicle you can safely drive home. They sell over 1,200 vehicles a year, and most of their inventory comes from people like you and me. If you want to eliminate the hassle of selling your vintage or unique vehicle, give them a call today. By the way, sign up today for the VIP list. They'll give you updates on all their new inventory that the general public doesn't see yet, and it's at a discounted price. Worldwide Vintage Autos. Don't let the name fool you. They sell worldwide, but their showroom is right here in Denver. Find them today at WorldwideVintageAutos.com or call 877-378-4679, and make sure you tell them John Rush from Drive Radio sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, rev up your engines and mark your calendars for the 6th Annual Rocky Mountain Car Show and Swap Meet. 
It's going to be an incredible event for car enthusiasts and families alike. Get ready to experience one of the largest car shows in the area. Join us on August 5th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Rocky Mountain Metro Airport, conveniently located at 11905 Corporate Way in Broomfield. Entertainment will be in full swing throughout the day, ensuring there's never a dull moment. Prepare for the thrill of airport flybys, showcasing the beauty of flight. Treat your taste buds to a mouth-watering selection of food options. From live music to engaging activities, there's something for everyone. Don't miss your chance to display your prized vehicle at the car show. Car show entry is just $10, and you can park your classic or unique ride starting at 8 a.m. It's an opportunity to showcase your passion for automobiles and support the Collector Car Council of Colorado. We've got an extra treat for you. Drive Radio will be broadcasting live from the event. Come by and say hello to John Rush and his crew. Tune in, turn up the volume, and join the excitement. So mark your calendars for August 5th. The 6th Annual Rocky Mountain Car Show and Swap Meet is an event you don't want to miss. Gather your friends and family for a day filled with automotive wonders, delicious food, captivating collectibles, thrilling flybys, and live entertainment. Remember, car show entry is $10, and spectator admission is just $5 per adult. All funds raised go towards supporting the Collector Car Council of Colorado. All right, yeah, and don't forget, next week we'll be out at the Sons of Italy uh, car show, the Red Lion Run, next Saturday at Laprino Foods the week after. You just heard the ad. We're also going to be up at the airport, Rocky Mountain Airport, the old Jeffco. That used to be the name of it, but it's up there in Broomfield, basically. We're going to be there the following week with uh, Dick and his crew for the Collector Car Council. So two weeks in a row we're going to be out. So we, this will be our last day that we're actually in studio for the next couple of weeks, and we're going to be out and about. Openings towards the end of the month. Okay, too. perfect. Well, I'll, I'll work. I'm working on something. Just let for me you know for that. that too. We'll we'll make all that happen as well. So, all right, perfect. All right, let's go right to the phones. 303-477-5600. Mike in Westminster, you're next. Hey, John, how's it going? Good, sir. Last week we talked, and during the show you mentioned uh, you wish somebody a happy birthday. Yes, John, I think his his name and his sister was his same age. That's right. Next week on Thursday, I turn sixty five. And my age is the same as my aunt, who is 65, for just under a month. Well, happy birthday to both of you. <laughs> happy birthday. Awesome. It, she, she calls me up, and uh, I get to call her. Um, she calls me a young punk. <laughs> and, and anyway. Not for um, very long, though. <laughs> that's true. Electric versus ice. Yes. Ice being, for everybody listening, ice is internal combustion engines. We should start wearing those around. <laughs> really piss some people off. There you go. <laughs> um, are the numbers as, as close as the um, government is saying? Or to me, it doesn't seem like they they're selling as much of the electric cars as. Well, the inventories right now are building on dealer lots coast to coast. So whatever the government is telling people is going on is false. Because no, they're not selling them like. They thought it's one of the few vehicles out there that inventory is building on where most ICE vehicles, there are some inventories that are building on the ICE side, but not like they're building on the EV side. I, I didn't think so. And, and my biggest concern, when I, when I read reviews, because I get all the car magazines, right? they always tell you you can charge you know, from zero to whatever in 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it is. 
But yeah, though, and by the way, Mike, the- those guys are, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Most of those journalists are lefties. They're knuckleheads. They have no idea what any, any of this really even entails and is all about. They're going off of some report that's been handed to them. Some of them may have been out on the road and actually done some testing. And those guys you'll actually see real reviews from, and they'll give you the real brass tacks on how things work. But most of these journalists are, I'll just be straight up honest, I meet these guys at events and so on. They're knuckleheads. They have no idea what's going on, Mike. Yeah, I- but they're, not even, they're not even car guys. They're riders that somehow got into the car world, and they know they don't know diddly squat about a car. Well, it's kind of like you know, I work repairing postal equipment. We have people that don't know a thing about mechanics trying to tell us how to repair things. That's what most of the journalists are as well. But you know, they don't tell you how how much it's going to cost you to charge on level three. It's expensive, by the way. Level three for everybody listening. Level three is DC charge. So it's going straight into the battery on the EV vehicle. And yes, Mike, it's very expensive because, as you know, that technology to do that isn't cheap. When, when Harley first came out with their electric bike that you saw in, in the uh, Avenger movie. Right. The, the reviews out there, and I just wanted to see what they were saying. You know, if, if you drove it like a normal man, you would get 120, 130 miles to a charge. Okay. If you drove it like you stole it, You'd get 90. Okay. If you charged it on level one, it'd take you about 12 hours. Okay. And if you charged it to 45% on, or 45 minutes would get you 80% on level three, and an hour would get you 100%. But at the time, it was 56 cents a minute. That sounds about right. That's 30 bucks for 100 miles. Sorry. I'll stick with gas. Uh, yeah, there and that on DC charging. The only and I've said this before. The only way an EV works is number one, it's not your primary vehicle in in your fleet of vehicles. Now it could be your primary daily vehicle that you drive in the city, but you've got other vehicles in your fleet. So if you're going to take a trip, go to the mountains, do whatever, you've got something else to drive. These are vehicles typically right now, Mike, being sold to the. Upper middle class and above. Yeah, there's some regular middle class folks buying them, but not very many. Most people buying these are upper middle class or above, and they've got it as a second, third, or fourth vehicle. They've got a level two charging station at their house whereby they're able to charge at night and do some things cheaper that way. And in that case, yes, you can drive that vehicle fairly economically as far as the driving miles goes. But you had to buy it and the charger to begin with, so you've still invested more money than if you would have bought its equal vehicle in an ICE version instead. I would not want to be stuck in Trinidad or even Burlington having to charge my EV for you know an hour just on, on uh, level three, and that only gives you 200 miles on the, on the Teslas. Yeah, and most of the EVs right now, Toyota's talking about having a four to 600-mile range here in the not-too-distant future, although we've got to see that come to fruition. They're talking about that in 2026. Currently, most of your upper-end, uh, you know, and Tesla's got some of the longer, long-range vehicles in the mid-300s, but if it's cold out, that's dropping down into the high twos. You know, my Chevy Bolt will do about 280 this time of the year. In the winter, it'll do about 190. And again, for daily driving, for what I do or the wife does, Mike, it works out 
you know, fabulous. We have no issues whatsoever with that. But again, it's not a vehicle to replace your average long haul vehicle that you're going to use. And again, you've got to buy the vehicle, have the charger or have it put in, which most people don't have the ability to do it themselves. So they're paying somebody to install it. It's not a everyday, every car driver's car. Yeah, it's a commuter vehicle, and they keep pushing it as the only vehicle you're going to need. Well, but Mike, their their political agenda is to control where you're driving, how far you're going, and what you're doing, and that's why they want everyone to believe that. Oh, yeah, I I understand. Believe me, there is an agenda. Unfortunately, there's an agenda behind EVs, because the, the flip side is, are they a fun vehicle to drive, and could they be used in the right way for right people and really be a, a, an option for some folks? Absolutely. Unfortunately, they're pushing a vehicle that is technologically sound with a political agenda behind it, and that's the unfortunate part. And we're not technically to the point where they can be used readily. Not for everybody out there. Again, you, you've got to be the situation I mentioned earlier to even make it work for you. If you live in an apartment or you've got to park outside or, or you just don't have enough capacity, period, in your breaker panel to even do what you need to do. Yeah, in other words, it's not for everyone right now, Mike. And that's, that's the, the problem is they're pushing it on everybody, but it's not for everyone. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm old enough to where I won't buy one of those myself. Yeah, and again, I only bought one so I could talk to all of you about it intelligently and not be like the rest of the journalists out there that just are giving, you know, they're giving you what they're being fed. I'm giving you real-world experience, which most of them don't have. Yep. Anyway, have a good day. You bet, Mike. Appreciate that very much. No, and honestly, guys, that's the only reason I bought one was to be able to share those things with everybody in, in a very intelligent way. Jeff, you're next. Go ahead. Hey, uh, good morning, John. How morning, Jeff. It is still uh, morning. Five minutes left, by the way. Yes. Uh, looking at the EV sales, when you're talking about EV trucks in particular, um, I went out to the uh, to the worldwide webs, and uh, as best I can estimate, maybe you have better information, but uh, they've stopped reporting uh, monthly sales for EV trucks, and they got Ford's gone to quarterly sales, and they seem to be averaging somewhere between four and five hundred thousand a quarter. Which would be somewhere between probably sixteen and twenty thousand a year. Is that right? No. No. Is it higher? Is it higher than that, or on the truck side? So yeah, what, the, so, uh, give, so give me. Oh, sorry, I may, I may have not following that correctly. Give me what they're estimating annual volume of all EV truck sales are, and I'll tell you how off they are. Well, what I couldn't find was that they said that. Uh, Ford is building the plant for the F-150 Lightning to uh, build up to 150,000 a year. But when we look, when they uh, talk about quarterly sales for the Lightning, that was only from 42 to 4,600 a quarter. That's about right, and then that's probably that's probably a close number. They're not they're not going to yeah. come close to that 150 for several years, Jeff. In my opinion, they got to no, find buyers so, that'll even spend the 100k plus for them in the first place. Yeah, well, they also dropped the price from four to six thousand dollars, ostensibly because Tesla's dropped their price. But uh, yeah, but then the dealers yeah, are still so charging ten, fifteen k over stickers. So have Ford explain to me how that works. Yeah, I, I don't know because it's not I, is my point. It's not, yeah, and they're not selling as many as they as they want to or or, or even could be that hundred fifty thousand a year mark. They're way off of that, and even that, Jeff, as you know, is a little over ten percent of all F one fifty sales. They sell almost a million F one fifties a year. Yeah, so that's uh, still a fraction of what they do in all F one fifties. 
right? So that, but that to the point of that five hundred thousand uh, uh, Tesla trucks. Yeah, I, there, I just don't see like the. I don't see the Cybertruck doing that, it, it, Jeff. I just don't see the numbers adding up there at all. Right. Same here. And then the uh, the uh, I have a question. Worldwide, you're one of your sponsors. Um, do they do anything with uh, parts for older vehicles? No, they, uh... they do not. But my guy, Craig, who I interviewed here just a few weeks ago on Fix-It Radio, Craig uh, Nelson, Peak High Performance, he will do those instead. Okay, I was just wondering if that might be a, a good sideline for them to get into some sort of... I think they do uh, 1,000 units a year. They're doing enough with the vehicles themselves where the parts thing is a whole other world. Well, I didn't. I don't mean stocking them. That would be a. That would be hard. Uh, even even selling them for people, Jeff. And, and believe me, I just from you know helping Craig and doing what we're doing there. It's its own. It's its own business. It, it's a complete sideline okay. out of the the car side. Well, I will defer to your uh, uh, knowledge and experience on that, since I have none. <laughs> and then uh, one simple thing, and this is might seem oddball, but it's kind of a personal. Uh, project of mine is i hate using the word middle class or lower class or upper class because those are all marxist terms marx and 